It's a Monday Mailbag. We've got your questions, including what three prospects from any one team would you choose if you were building your own farm system? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, award-winning baseball writer and podcaster, and thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers can join today, and you'll get $150 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. So as we do every single Monday, this is a mailbag. All of the questions in today's show came from listeners. If you have a question for us, tons of ways to get it to us. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. YouTube comments, great way to do it. We've got an email. We've got a Discord. All of that other stuff in the episode description in the show notes. Maurice sent an email in actually two weeks ago, and I missed it for last week's mailbag. But one of the questions I thought was just phenomenal. If I was an MLB owner and I could take any three prospects from one organization to make my own core of talent in my minor leagues, what three prospects would I take? And he presented the question as Orioles versus the field, right? But I got to thinking about this, and I'm like, this is a really good question, right? So if you're taking three prospects, what positions do you go for, right? How do you set this up? Because my my first instinct was, okay, I want a premium defender that can give me good offense. I want a pitcher who could be dominant, and I want some sort of power-hitting slugger. And I don't care what position that guy is. And then some other folks presented the idea, and this came up in our Discord, we had a lot of conversation in there about this, said, what if you just go super heavy into one side? Three really good position players, three really good hitters. And so there's a couple ways to go here, right? So if I'm taking the balanced approach, I want a premium defender who can give me good offense. I want a pitcher and I want a premium slugger, and I don't care the position, I'm not taking the Orioles, right? That's not the team you would go for. The first place that I thought about in that situation, honestly, the Detroit Tigers, right? Uh, Granted, your promotion timelines are a little weird here, but for your pitcher, you can get Jackson Job. Going to be a very good arm, looks like for a long time. Probably one of the five best righty pitching prospects in baseball right now. You could, If you want a premium defender that can give you good offense, Max Clark looks to be that guy. And then if you want a slugger and you don't care what position he plays, Colt Keith's a guy, we talked about this in the Tiger Show, we talked about this again after he signed the contract. Colt Keith can give you premium power production at second base. He could play first as well. Like you have options there. And so it's a really intriguing option. Somebody else suggested 
you could go with the San Diego Padres if you want guys who are all a little bit farther away. Jackson Merrill's the closest. He could be your shortstop, give you good offense. You also have Ethan Salas, who could give you premium defense and probably above average offense as well. Not a perfect fit, but it's a really good fit. And then Robbie Snelling can be your pitcher that could give you uh, potentially front of the rotation upside. And the good news is he's working with Ethan Salister in that same, roughly that same time frame to come up, right? The Milwaukee Brewers is another organization that came up to me. You've got Jackson Churio can be your premium defender that can give you some offense. You've got Jefferson Cuero can be another defender that can give you good offense. And he's again, he's going to be an amazing defender. So you have two very good defenders and he should be able to give you at least league average offense, right? And then for your pitcher, depending on how you feel about these guys, you have the option of either Jacob Mizorowski or Bob Gass, Robert Gasser. So you have a couple different options there. The first place that I went, honestly, when I heard the question and I was thinking about my answer was the Chicago Cubs. Kate Horton can be your frontline starting option for, for pitching, right? And then you can combine him. I think you've got options here. Your power hitter, you could do Owen Casey. I had somebody suggest Alcantara as your power hitting option. I'd rather have Casey, I think, but you could do either one. And then if you want a defender who should be able to give you offense, Pete Crow Armstrong obviously gives you the defense. He's not a perfect fit. Because we have a little bit of questions about what kind of offensive impact he's going to be able to have at the major league level. But you could go with him. You could go with Matt Shaw. I was talking to some folks about Matt Shaw recently and the kind of the realization that I came to. He's not going to play shortstop in Chicago because Dansby Swanson's there long term. But he reminds me a lot of Dansby Swanson from the perspective of Matt Shaw doesn't have a great arm but the actions and everything defensively are good. Uh, so he can give you good defense. He's a good clubhouse presence. He's a good baseball instincts, all of that, those intangible things. And so you could do Horton Shaw and Casey. You could do Horton PCA and Casey if you wanted to do that. Uh, the San Francisco Giants come up as well in this. Kyle Harrison could be your dominant uh, starter, and he's a lefty, which is nice. Bryce Eldridge could be your your slugger playing probably first base. And then Marco Luciano can be your shortstop. I would question about the premium defender on that. I think we have more questions about where his defense and really offense are both going to land, but you could do that as well. And then somebody also threw out the Toronto Blue Jays, another team where it's a little bit flawed. Ricky Tiedemann's obviously your premium starter. You have in health questions, but he's your premium starter. Ravis Martinez is your power hitter. And then Arjun Namala fills the role of your defender who should be able to give you offense, but he's probably got more questions as far as that de defender with offense role than anybody else we've talked about in the show today. And then the other option that was presented, like I mentioned, was just leaning heavily into one over the other, right? So you could do, if you wanted to just go three pitchers, the Atlanta Braves come to mind, Hurston Waldrop, A.J. Schmitt-Shaver, and then you can pick whichever one of the third pitchers you want. 
could pick Owen Murphy, you could pick J.R. Ritchie, you could pick Spencer Schwellenbach, who I have as my breakout for 2024 out of that organization. If you wanted to do the Orioles, you could go all offense here. Jackson Holiday is your premium defender with offense. Sam Basayo is another premium defender with great offense. And then Kobe Mayo is your power hitter. So you could just lean into the position player strength there. The Mets could actually go both ways, right? The Mets could give you a trio of starters in Blake Tidwell, Mike Vasile, and Christian Scott. Or they could give you a trio of premium offensive options that should be able to give you some decent defense in Jet Williams, Drew Gilbert, and Luis Angel Acuna. So it's a really interesting kind of thing here. Somebody suggested the, the, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Ivan Melendez is your power hitter. There's a swing of missed concerns, but that's an option. Jordan Lawler is your defender with offense. And then your pitcher could be Christian Mina, Lynn, Brandon Fott, somebody like that. I want to know your thoughts on this. If you're watching on YouTube, leave it in the comments down here. If you're not watching on YouTube, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. Again, we've got a Discord. I've got email. I'd love to have your input on if you can pick any three players from one organization to form the core of your minor leagues. Who are those three players? Uh, Again, love to hear your thoughts. We're going to use these on a future show when we get some really good ideas from the everydayers who are checking this out. In just a minute, wrapping up the AL East previews from last week, had some questions about guys we missed, including quite a few Tampa Bay Rays. We'll get to those guys next, right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Now that the Super Bowl is concluded, and what a great game. It was tons of fun watching, insert team here, defeat other team. So, had a great time watching the Super Bowl. We're obviously doing this after the Super Bowl's over. But it is now, to me, it is baseball season. But for FanDuel, they're getting into the heart of the NBA schedule right now. New customers can get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. It's $150 if your bet wins. And you can bet all your favorite NBA players and teams. There's quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to shoot your shot with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Want to take a quick second to remind you, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube and now live on Amazon Fire TV. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows like this one that cover every single league. So find the Locked On Sports Today channel now on YouTube and Amazon Fire TVs and soon to come to Roku devices. Okay, so wrapping up our AL East previews last week, all 30 teams are now live. If you're watching on YouTube, we have a playlist for this. If you're not watching on YouTube, if you're on the audio, you can go back. I think the the first or second show in January was the first one, and it's five every week. Started with the NL West, then the AL West, and then we moved East. We Went backwards because everybody always starts things with the AL East, so we did them last. But 
Some of the questions had a bunch of questions about Rays guys we missed. And then in the third segment, a couple other AL East guys that we missed as well. But for the Rays, I guess I got a lot of questions about this because I called a week of their games and saw some of these guys play live and they wanted to hear my insights. But one of the big questions we got, no longer a prospect, but Jonathan Aranda. What do the Rays do with Jonathan Aranda? And the struggle that I have with Jonathan Aranda is I'm not sure what he gives you other than the ability to bat left-handed that Curtis Mead doesn't give you. So for Jonathan Aranda, last year in AAA, 199 games, right? 328, 421, 565. 109 walks to 187 strikeouts, again, in AAA last year. And then in the major, 66 games over his, his last two seasons. 212, 311, 346, 21 walks, 54 strikeouts. Those are actually both two season samples. I'm sorry. He didn't. <laughs> Jonathan Aranda didn't spend 199 games in AAA last year. Those are the last two years, 22 and 23. Okay. So, really good numbers in AAA hasn't come together in the majors. And here's the thing I, I, I pulled the AAA numbers over the last two years for both Curtis Mead and Jonathan Aranda. There's nothing that Jonathan Aranda can do that Curtis Mead can't do the same or better, okay? So, except for, obviously, bat left-handed. So, one, defensively, not in the numbers, obviously, but if you watch Curtis Mead's defense, we talked about this before, Curtis Mead's defense isn't really great anywhere, right? He can get by at second base, he can play first at fringe to average level, right? Jonathan Aranda can't really play even fringe to average defense anywhere. He is at best a first baseman DH option, whereas Curtis Mead can at least go take a glove at second base and not completely embarrass you. So there, you've already got that. Contact-wise, again, Curtis Mead's just better than Aranda. Jonathan Aranda, outside of the zone, so just, sorry, overall contact, 79% rounding on this. Zone contact, 82. Not bad numbers, right? Curtis Mead, 81% overall contact, 87% zone contact. Better both overall and in the zone than Jonathan Aranda. From a power perspective, Curtis Mead's 90th percentile exit below, rounded, is 105. Jonathan Aranda's 90th percentile exit below, rounded, is 105. And so Curtis Mead gives you better contact ability, better proven contact ability, the same power. He swings more often. He walks more and he can do more for you defensively. I do think there is major league roles for Jonathan Aranda. Jonathan Aranda can help a major league team the issue is he can't help the Rays like he can help somebody else. It really feels like Jonathan Aranda, his best, the best thing to do for his future is to be traded from the Rays somewhere else. He's getting the Michael Bush treatment here. He can't break into the lineup because there's enough guys in front of him that are doing things well at the positions he can play. He's not, a, I think he's better than a quad A player. He hasn't gotten consistent run at the major league level. I think he's better than a triple A or quad A player. 
I just don't see where you would, in almost any situation other than face, other than you want a lefty at bat, I don't see almost any situation where you would put Aranda in over Curtis Mead. It's just, I just don't see it. And so because of that, I think the best role for Jonathan Aranda is to get traded and go somewhere else. Hopefully they can get something back for him. It's just, what do you do? When does that happen? Infielder Willie Vasquez had a question about Willie Vasquez and some of the future. What are we going to expect out of him? Okay, so in 2022, the numbers we saw from Willie Vasquez were better than the inputs. And so the thought was, okay, like, in, in single A in 22, he batted 256, 313, 410 with 10 homers and 40 extra base hits. And so the, the question was, what's going to happen in 23? In 23, at a higher level, going to Bowling Green, high Bowling Green, everything kind of went backwards for Willie Vasquez. 233, 310, 393. 16 homers and 31 extra base hits. 109 strikeouts in 114 games. 17 to 26 on stolen bases. Here's the thing, is he has power. He has raw power. He has some speed. Contact-wise, he finished about 70% for the year. But Willie Vasquez had better contact in the first half than the second. This is not a change in balls. This is not any of that stuff. This is his second full year in balls. So it's not necessarily like he wore down. I feel like when I watched a lot of Willie Vasquez issues, was teams getting a book on him and better able to attack him. He likes to chase, especially he likes to come out of the zone, go in after pitches, and teams picked up on that and started to pitch him differently. So he can play second, he can play third, he's got a lot of useful skills. He just needs to have better swing decisions and a more controlled structure at the plate. And I don't know at this point, if he's 22 in high A and struggling, it has to feel like he's going to go back to high A this year, which make, which means now age to level, he's at best, he's older than most prospects in high A. He's got to have a great year in 2024 because if not, you're really looking at probably falling off prospect lists altogether. A guy that has fallen off of some prospect list, right-hand pitcher Cole Wilcox, third rounder in 2020 out of UGA by the Padres, was traded to the Rays, like the, the Blake Snell deal, I believe. 25 games in double-A last year, 6-8 with a 5-2-3 ERA in 106 and two-thirds innings, 99 strikeouts, so 8.4 per nine, to 44 walks, 3.7 per nine, give up 14 home runs. So here's the thing on Cole Wilcox. Had Tommy John in September 2021, came back, made all of these starts last year, barely went over five innings in just about any one, oftentimes didn't make it to five innings in a lot of those starts. And the stuff backed up a bit. The fastball used to be mid-90s. Now it's in the low 90s. It's very much a sinker. He's got a slider in the upper 80s and a change. But, one, I watched him against Chattanooga have a decent start. He really, towards the end of the year, looked better from a control perspective, which we know takes a while to come back, and from an ability to go deeper into games and make it through the game kind of thing. So... His last four starts, all wins. He put up an ERA of three. He went 21 innings. So at least five innings in all four of those starts with only five walks. I, he's not on prospect lists right now because he had a walk rate of 10%. He 
He only threw 62% strikes and the stuff backed up last year. But I think a lot of that was the return from Tommy John. And I think that he can be a major league guy with a little bit more time away from that. I think you're going to see the strikeout stuff. He is a sinker slider guy. So the strikeout stuff is never going to be amazing. But I think he can get to back end of the rotation future with more time away from Tommy John. So I would assume double A. Maybe it's Durham to start 24, depending on what he looks like in spring training. But I still, I'm still a believer in Cole Wilcox. A couple other guys real quick. Carlos Comoran's the infielder and Colby White the pitcher. So Comoran's 201 batting average in 83 games in single A, 132 strikeouts. The issue here, first year in full season ball, he struggles with breaking balls a lot. He chases, he swings and misses in the zone. It's almost a fatal flaw if he can't fix it. The defense is great. You just need him to be able to hit a breaking pitch to save his life. Colby White, the righty. 24 games, 164 ERA. He had Tommy John in 2022. So I think that he worked his way back late in the year, got back. I think he's not on prospect list that I've seen for the most part, but I absolutely think that the stuff is good enough for him to be in a major league bullpen as soon as mid-season of this year. Fastball, slider, splitter. I like what the splitter looks like. So Colby White, expect to see him in the majors, I'm assuming midpoint of the year, maybe earlier, depending on what he looks like again in spring training. Just a minute. Couple other guys we didn't get to, Toronto, New York. We'll do them next, right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The things that bring home winning trophies are also what keeps your vehicle running at peak performance. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof rest, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're looking for speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. They have over 122 million parts, so you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your vehicle every time or your money back. Keep your vehicle running at peak performance at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions do apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Final segment of Locked in MLB Prospects here on Monday, going over guys that we didn't get to in last week's AL East Farm previews. Real quick before we do that, another reminder, Locked On's launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. It's now also available on Amazon Fire today. Look for Locked On Sports today. They've got the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus the national shows like this one that cover all of the leagues. So, Locked on Sports Today, it's on YouTube, it's on Amazon Fire TV, soon to come to Roku's. Okay, two guys we didn't get to in the farm previews last week for the ALE. Spencer Horwitz of the Toronto Blue Jays, Yorbit Vivas of the Yankees. So, Horwitz was a 24th rounder in 2019 out of Radford College, which is apparently is in Virginia. 107 games in AAA last year. 337, 450, 495. 10 homers, 41 extra base hits, 78 walks to 72 strikeouts, 9 of 11 on stolen bases. There are things to like about the profile for Spencer Horwitz. Contact, solidly in the 80s. 83% overall, 88% in the zone. The on-base is good. He had more walks than strikeouts last year. 
Chase was like 26%. So it's a good approach and one that has value at the major league level. Here's the downside. Spencer Horowitz is a first baseman. And he's play, he played a little bit of left field in the minors last year, 24 games and left. But 68 games, one too few, but 68 games at first. He's a first baseman. He's not great defensively, really anywhere. The arm is average. The speed is not good, like 30 grade speed. And so first base DH is the only place you're really going to use him at the major league level. And his brief cameo in the majors, same thing. That's all he played. The power isn't great. 88 mile an hour average exit velocity, 103 90th percentile, which couple like fraction of a mile an hour below MLB average. He also hits too many ground balls. So you're in a position where you've got a guy that isn't a great defender, is confined to either left field or first base, the two positions you look for the most power, but he's also not a power hitter. And so what is the role for Spencer Horwitz in 2024? He's on your bench. Okay, fine. He's probably your first guy off of the bench when you look at the bench and you need a pinch hitter. I guess he's the guy, but one, how often do you pinch hit with the Universal DH? I'm thinking maybe late in games, you send him out to pinch hit for Kevin Biggio, but he's not going to play third base. You're either taking Justin Turner out of DH and putting Justin Turner at third base, which also isn't a great idea, or you're doing a, another switch and putting Santiago Espinal in at third base. And if you're doing that, just pin, hit, pinch hit Santiago Espinal. And so he's going to be a major league piece, but unless you can see the ground ball rate drop and or the power go up, it's just hard to see where he makes a major league impact. And then the other guy, similar situation of where does he make an impact? And in his case, he's also blocked behind other guys is Yorbit Vivas of the Yankees. So 135 games between double A AA and triple A in the Dodgers system. He was part of the Trey Sweeney return when they made that when the Dodgers made that trade to clear 40 man space. 135 games, 269, 381, 407. 13 home runs, 41 extra base hits, really nice walk to strikeouts, 69 walks to 71 strikeouts, 25 of 30 on stolen bases mostly played second base. And from an arm perspective, that's the only place you really want him. He played 120 games at second, 12 at third, and three at DH. But the arm is at best, I think, fringe. And so, and, and the range is, he's probably a 40 fringe to average speed. So the thing here that he does, contact, really good. 81% overall contact, 90% in the zone. It is a useful skill, right? Chase, doesn't chase a ton, 26%, same as Horwitz. The power, though, decidedly below average. Average exit below of 84, MLB average is like 89. 90th percentile exit below of 100 for Yorbit Vivas, when again, MLB is 103 and change. So, defensively, he's at best average at second. Power-wise, not a lot there. He can, get, he can make contact, yes, he can do that. He can walk plenty, yes, he can do that. But his ceiling is a 270 hitter with 10, stole, with 10 home runs, 15 stolen bases. There is value in that. Where does that fit into the New York Yankees lineup? He's not obviously not going to be better than Labor Torres at second. 
Honestly, looking at the bench, I'd rather have Oswald Peraza or Oswaldo Cabrera go in over him. And so, at best, he's the backup to your backups. He's your third or fourth option to go play second base. And and so it's a really tough situation. Ideally, you see him either increase the increase the power or get better at optimizing that swing to get more power on the pull side, loft a ball with the knowledge that, hey, you have an, a different ballpark now. Let's see if your game can adjust a little bit. Although he is a lefty hitter, so you do have the possibility of if he can elevate to his pull side more, you can hit for more power in Yankee Stadium. You can hit somewhere else. We'll see what happens with Robert Vivas. Fun week this week. First week in six weeks, we haven't had farm previews. We're going to do another mailbag. We've got more guys that we didn't get to during the course of this week. We've also got quite a little bit of stuff about rookie of the year, where pro- like top prospect questions that have to be answered in spring training, things like that. So stay tuned. In the meantime, mailbag questions. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. We've got email. We've got Discord. All of that stuff in the episode description in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer. 